The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. As you heard mentioned in the news headlines, uh, their public sector unions have walked away uh, from the offer of a 8.5% pay increase over two and a half years. They've described the offer as extremely disappointing. Pascal Donoghue is the Minister for Public Expenditure. Uh, Minister, you're welcome to the show. What is your response to that accusation? Uh, good evening, Kieran. I'll make two quick points to you. Firstly, uh, that we've had now over many, many years uh, pay agreements with our public servants that have spanned a number of years that have included all of our public servants that I believe have worked well uh, for respecting our public servants, for paying them uh, to recognise their efforts while also being fair and affordable. And because of all of this, secondly, this is why we made a proposal that I do believe is very significant and valuable of 2.9 billion euro over just over two and a half years and looking to deliver wage increases that will be ahead of inflation. And, uh, uh, and I would ask and really do call upon the unions at this point uh, just to consider those proposals uh, as we uh, work our way through now the coming weeks. Uh, the unions, it would seem, uh, want there to be more of a retrospective focus in the offer. Uh, Kevin Callanan, who's the Forza General Secretary, uh, in his statement and in his letter to members uh, as well, uh, his email to members uh, sent this morning, uh, talks about the fact that uh, the offer put on the table by the government failed to meet the basic test of dealing with the cumulative gap between wages and inflation amounting to almost 19% over the last three years. Was there ever consideration given to a retrospective? Uh, But during that period, uh, we had an array of supports within our economy to help everybody deal with the cost of living in terms of energy credits and the changes that we made in taxation. There were very, very few workers within this state, except those on the very lowest income, who have seen their living standards entirely protected uh, from what has happened with the rise in prices. And there were very, very few employers, including the state, that's going to be in a position to compensate for everybody that for the change in our living standards that we experienced due to inflation that was driven by the war and after the pandemic. But it is in recognition of the uh, big difficulties, the higher prices of recent years that we put a proposal on the table uh, that actually had a rate of wage increase that was ahead of the rate of inflation across the next two years, uh, recognising the uh, big challenges and difficulties Mm. that many have faced uh, since prices started going up. Uh, Those cost of living measures, though, generous and all as they were, they applied right across the board. So they applied to people in the private sector who could, in tandem with those measures from government, approach their employer for a pay rise, whereas those public sector workers couldn't. So there there is merit in a retrospective, isn't there? Uh, But actually, there are very few employees within the private sector uh, during those number of years who saw wage increases that were anywhere close to the very high rates of inflation that we saw. And many, many within the private sector, despite the best efforts of employers, uh, did see uh, wages not be able to keep up with prices because prices went up by so much. Mm. Uh, So uh, actually, there's a fairness point there in relation to this. That as we look at where we are now, uh, what we're trying to do is deal with the difficulties of the past by putting a proposal on the table that gives wages uh, increasing at a rate that is higher 
then inflation will be over the next two years. On public sector, workers can approach their employer looking for wage increases. That's the process that we're involved in at the moment uh, through a centralised wage Mm. agreement process. Uh, uh, Quite independent of uh, inflation, there is an argument, isn't there, that we underpay our public sector workers, when you look at the vacancies in the system, in the healthcare system, kind of from frontline staff to people working in child and adolescent mental health services, teacher shortages, record numbers of Gardaí leaving the force last year. I mean, the the, the slew of positions that were created and on board Planola, not all filled uh, either. And the criticism that's often made as well of our kind of glacial planning system, part of the reason for that, I know there's a body of, of reform um, on, on the way, but part, part, part of the delays are the lack of staff. So when you, when you look at all that in, in totality, there's an argument separate from inflation, we underpay. But in virtually every one of those professions you've talked about, uh, comparatively within our economy, our public servants are well played, well paid, excuse me, uh, versus the average wages within our economy as they should be because they provide very important, do really important work within our society and our, our economy. And internationally, if you compare uh, the wages that, again, we pay within our public service, they compare really well with the international average. The issue that you're referring to there, which, of course, you're right about, that's the feature of our economy being at full employment. That is a feature of there being so much demand for workers within our private sector. And if you look at the health service, for example, we've hired more than 22,000 extra uh, nurses, doctors for our health service in the last three years. There's over 20,000 more people working in our health service. That, that really doesn't point to uh, uh, our wages being in any way uncompetitive uh, versus what you could get elsewhere within our economy. So do we need just the private sector to become slightly less healthy before those vacancies get addressed? I didn't suggest that for a moment. Uh, it is a feature of the fact that we have full employment within our economy. And when you have full employment within our economy, there's a demand for workers from mm. everybody. If you were to talk to a private sector employer, which you do regularly on your programme, Kieran, many of them would also say, uh, they have such challenges in hiring, keeping staff. I'd see it very differently. It's a feature that all employers face at the moment, whether you're in the state or the private sector. And all employers are looking at what wages they can pay in the time ahead to keep and support workers that make a difference uh, to either the state or to the private mm. sector and do it in a way that's affordable and fair. And the proposals that I'm making the case for so, at over 2.9 billion more in pay, I believe okay. they do. So, so uh, uh, in an economy at full employment, we just have to accept the reality of vacancies across all those areas in the public sector, do we? Or, or, or how do you uh, think they'll be addressed if it's not through increased pay? Uh, by number one, uh, uh, putting in place the training, the education, uh, that we are getting the uh, people through. Uh, that want to and have the training to do this work uh, that you've referred to. And that's why Minister Simon Harris has made lots of changes in relation to higher uh, uh, and further university and education to ensure that we have the supply of people who have the ability and the need and want to do uh, different work within our economy, including within our public services. And then secondly, what we will have to do within the public service is to uh, put in place programs and put in place support where we are able to get 
um, you know, highly specialised talent into our public service that can make a big difference. And you mentioned on board Planola there, uh, again, fairly in one of your earlier questions to me, we've now been successful in really increasing size of the number of people that are working now in on board Planola to respond back to the challenges that are there. Um, I guess the one thing, you know, I call out as a, you know, a, an inference there of the questions you're putting to me, you know, could be that being at full employment, you know, creates a lot of problems. Being at full employment means there's lots of people at work, um, which is the heart of having a growing economy. Mm. Um, the, the unions say that they've got finalised wording now uh, for ballots on industrial action that they are willing to put to their members. How real a threat do you perceive that to be? It's one I take seriously. Um, of course I do. Uh, we've been involved in this process now for many, many months. It's a huge pity that we were not able to get agreement early this morning in relation to us. But it's a matter for the unions themselves, how they, how they conduct their business uh, and how they engage with their members. What I want to do, as all of that is going on, is emphasise that industrial stability within our economy, within our country, has real value at the moment. We've been able to maintain that through a pandemic, through soaring inflation, and also make the case for the fact that a 2.9 billion euro proposal with uh, wage increases that are ahead of the rate of inflation Mm. is looking to recognise the real value of our public servants, but also be fair and affordable to other workers and to our economy overall. Uh, One of our listeners says, what's the point of putting all this effort and investment into training people for the public sector if you won't pay them properly? Uh, Matt and Leash uh, suggest that uh, public sector employees don't understand or appreciate how good their pension is. But this uh, text I want to put to you, Minister, from a listener. Why don't we just link public sector pay to average pay increase rates in the private sector? So a, a plea to bring back benchmarking. Well, we did that once before. Uh, to put it mildly, it didn't turn out well for us. Um, and we lost control of pay policy over a number of years, uh, which was a contributing factor to the huge difficulty that we had then in the aftermath of the global financial crisis. Uh, so benchmarking might work for some really specialised roles within our economy. Uh, but trying to benchmark, for example, a, a, a nurse Uh, to other parts of our economy is a really, really, really difficult thing to do. We tried to do it once before, did not work out well for us. In relation to automatic benchmarking, um, I do think governments have to be in a position to make this decision and to be able to negotiate with union representatives on it because every euro we spend on pay is a euro we don't spend on other things that our country also wants us to do. Have the unions slightly got you backed into a corner, you and your government colleagues, you described the kind of the threat of industrial action as a real threat and one that you take seriously. And we've got certainly two elections this year, local and Europeans. There's the possibility of a general election as well. And I doubt you or any of your colleagues in Leinster House uh, on the government benches want to be going to the polls while industrial action is ongoing. Well, if political considerations are guiding what the unions are doing and what the leaders are doing, that's a matter for them to answer to rather than myself. Uh, what my job is, uh, with this door lasting all the way up to February of 2025, is uh, to be able to stand over the wage agreements that we've had in recent years that have been accepted by a majority of public sector workers, uh, but then also to make the case for continuing to pay people, pay people 
well, but also in a way that mm. is affordable and fair to the rest of the economy. But if there's the and possibility, if there's the, if there's the possibility of industrial calm for a little bit more money than you're comfortable with, there's a political temptation there to grasp for it, isn't it? Well, given given those looming elections. Moment, there's, there's quite a gap at the moment, Kieran, uh, between uh, what... Uh, the proposals uh, that we shared in the Workplace Relations Commission and the current approach of the union movement to them. Uh, We want to go back into negotiations. I do want to see if there's a way of finding agreement here and bringing about the stability that you've referred to. But it's also the case uh, that if we come out with an agreement uh, that is um, uh, a lot bigger, uh, with wage increases that are a lot larger than the ones I've mm. described to you. Uh, I'll be dealing with two other issues after that that will also have political consequences. Number one, it will mean there's less money available to do. Uh, the investments uh, invest more in our public services in other ways than we otherwise would have. Mm. That will have a political consequence that I'll be accountable for. And number two, you'll have many, many employers within the country who will then deal with... Um, um, uh, their own staff making the case for wage increases of a similar scale. And you'll have many employers yeah. that will find themselves in a position not to be able to pay for that. And that also has an impact for our country too. Maybe, of course, you feel you've got a free hand uh, in terms of negotiating uh, with the prospect of looming elections, given you mightn't be running. You could be running the IMF. Uh, well, you've, 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 got, you've gone from uh, me being influenced by elections coming up to you now making the case to be, to me, to me, to be not being influenced at all. By well, elections. I guess your colleagues might still uh, feel I mean, uh, the need for industrial calm, but you might say, well, I'm not going to be running, so I'm not going to get punished at the polls. I'll be running the IMF for about half a million quid a year. Well, Kieran, in fairness, um, I've been involved in these decisions now uh, for nearly eight years. And at all times, uh, I've tried to make a decision because I believe it's in the interests of our country overall and try to make the case for it. And to attribute my decision-making here uh, to speculation about what I might do in the future or not, um, I don't think reflects the seriousness with which I'm approaching this. Uh, I've been working away on this process now for many months. It's the third wage agreement I've been involved in trying to negotiate. And in the other two I've done, uh, which have been accepted uh, by our public service workers. I think I've shown my determination uh, to reward the great work that goes on in the public service, but to do so in a way that's affordable and fair. I'm just looking to continue that approach, Karen. Minister for Public Expenditure, Pascal Donoghue. Minister, thanks a million for joining us here on the show. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.